The reality is is now on Patreon, and here are some of our fabulous supporters. Chastity Davis. Don't be fooled by my name. The only thing I abstain from is your bullshit. Jessica Riley. Where I come from, money can buy you anything, but I'll take the garbage plate. Seiran Hayati. In Sweden, we have ABBA, IKEA, and if you mess with me, some other four-letter words. Kelly Paper. I may be from Down Under, but don't ever underestimate me. Richie D. If you can't be cool, you can't be with Caduce. Megan Shaw. I may be a mom. Model, but I'll never be your model minority. Becca Simon. It gets icy where I'm from, so you know I'll bring the heat. Jill Hirsch. Your petty drama can't take this warrior down. Jamie Allrunner. Where I come from, we're known for our great lakes, but I'm just known for my great ass. Sarah Gibbs. You may not like the cut of my jib, but that's what you get from Sarah Gibbs. Maria M. Where I'm from, they sing God Save the Queen, so I guess you can call me a god. Jill Walsh. I made it up this hill myself, and I'll kick any jack off. Jesse Willis. I may not run in traffic, but I'll give you a run for your money. Eleanor Manning. I run with a fabulous circle of people, and they're not even on my payroll. John Friedman. Diamonds aren't a girl's best friend. John Friedman is. Sarah Watkins Bilstein. Playtime is over. This mama means business. Laura Zielinski. Whether it's breast pumping or fist pumping, this Jersey girl brings the party. Amanda Agosti. Everything is bigger in Texas and my heart is no exception. Tracy Masters. When you're the master of your own destiny, no one can ever take you down. Marl Farsi. Reading is fundamental and in Farsi, the reads are monumental. Tracy Newman. My presence is a gift, so remember the thank you note. Lola Del Rio. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets and I get it all. Adade Adidoko. It may look like I'm stirring the pot, but I'm actually just smoking. Deepa Kanapoli. Some people say I have secrets, but at least they're not federal indictments. Jada. People are intimidated by my great success and my great ass. Naveen Jonathan. I'll give you the shirt off my back and also my unsolicited opinion. Adil Ibrahim. Some things are too hot to handle, like me and the tea I spill. Trinity Subramaniam. I have four degrees and eight syllables and zero fucks to give. Beth Bayer. The secret to my success is staying out of your BS. Shannon Anthony. There's no fun in moderation, but there's plenty of shame. Rita Ryan. Don't be fooled by my Midwest charm, because I'm nobody's fool. Brianna Tony. Some people strive for perfection, but I'm already there. And lastly, Tanisha. While others are turning tables, I'm dancing on them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. of the reality is as always it is newer how is everybody doing um so i know last episode i was like i'll be back on wednesday and then i wasn't um so here's the thing it was back to school this week and work's been busy and real life is happening so i've made the executive decision that for a little while we'll just do saturday episodes um that'll either release at some point on saturday or friday night and that'll just cover all the things that happened on bravo this week so um Today, we're going to talk about everything that happened on Bravo. Uh, and uh, I think until the Potomac ladies are back or until things kind of settle down um, on my work front, I am just going to be um, doing the Saturday episode. And then if something happens, like if Arthi can join her, but the guest, I might do an extra episode during the week. But um, definitely uh, going to be on here at least once a week for you guys. And, um, you know, here's the other thing truth be told. It's becoming a um it's becoming exhausting because it's like even before I'm able to record an episode, the internet is so crazy that it feels like I mean, have has has the internet not already talked about all the things that I'm gonna talk about? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I know everybody appreciates the podcast too, so I'm obviously still gonna record, but um it's just I'm just telling you what's going on in my mind. Okay. Um 
Also, last night, the queen, last night, yesterday, the queen of England passed away. And if you're interested on my takes on that, you can go over to the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the reality is pod. Uh, where I will be talking about that on this Sunday's episode with my brother. <laughs> Last week, we talked about the Don't Worry Darling drama. Okay, this week, we're going to be talking about the spit stuff <laughs> and obviously the passing of the queen. So if you are interested in that, uh, we do episodes every Sundays or Mondays for for the Patreon. So uh, head, over, head on over there. Um, but let's let's get into what happened on Bravo this week. We're going chronological order uh, Sunday. <laughs> like what day on sunday we had uh real Housewives of atlanta it was a finale and of course we have to talk about the she by sheree runway show um and the aftermath of her launching her website just as the episode ended launching crashing taking it down for a little while relaunching people launching into an investigation about where these clothes are from, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But before we get into that, what happened at the end of this season, you know, we had these like wrap up storylines. We had Kenya Moore had at once at one point, at some point in the episode in the season been like, I can't get my bottles here from China because of the, you know, all of the issues with shipping. And everybody was like, okay. <laughs> now she's like, the bottles are here. I'm in CVS. Um, there's this really great Instagram uh, account that I follow. And this person is also on Twitter. I'm sorry, not on Twitter, on TikTok. Um, their handle is Matt Loves Hair or Maddie Loves Hair. And I believe that they are like a huge Bravo fan, but they're always trying out Bravo beauty products, especially hair care. So I'm going to try to get them on the podcast, but I would love to know what people think about Kenya more hair care and um, whether it's actually any good. Um, we had that we had that reveal at a CVS, which is iconic um, because like if it was any other housewife, like we would get so many jokes about like, I'm here at a fucking CVS, like what the hell? But it, it's Atlanta. So it's like, and it's Kenya. And I feel like she's paid enough of her dues where they're like, okay, yeah, congratulations. You're in CVS. I mean, even Candy's like, I don't have my products in CVS, but I don't, I don't know what products of candy would be at a CVS. Soul food egg rolls. Vibrate vibrators. Yeah. Oh my God. One time I was at CVS with my kids. It was right before we were traveling somewhere. And I was like, let's go to the travel aisle and pick up a couple of like toothpaste and stuff. And my eight-year-old uh was like reading everything because he's reading everything. And so he was standing there and he was like reading stuff and he was like, What is this personal massager? And I was like, Well, looks like we're done here. Um, anyway. Um, congratulations to Kenya for being in CBS is everywhere. Um, we have Sonia telling us that she wants to have a baby now. Okay. Okay. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Um, and then Marlo's mom came to visit, um, which was sad. It was, the whole thing was sad. Like you could tell like even this teeth thing where her mom like didn't have her teeth in, like I think Marlo spent money making sure her mom looks camera ready. And her mom was like, nope. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and so Marlo, much like her sort of crafting the storyline with her nephews. And I don't know. I just, I feel like, I feel like the reason why Marlo snapped at certain points of the season is because I think she realized like she can't actually could she I don't think that Marlo feels proud of who she is showing herself to be on camera. I think that Marlo enjoys being a friend of, but as Marlo is showing her more of herself, she's crafting too much of it than being actually in the words of Kyle Richards, open and honest. Um, but I do want to note that when the mom is meeting with uh, Candy at La Archive, uh, Candy comes in with soul food egg rolls. And if you watched Oh Lady Gang or Candy and the Gang, uh, you know who makes those. Um, also speaking of, if you watch Candy and the Gang, um, Ca Candy's nephew, yeah, her nephew or her cousin or her nephew, her nephew it, it was shot. Marvin? Marvin, is that his name? It's, I don't know. Patrick's brother. Um, he got shot. So prayer is up to him. I think he's okay. He got shot in the arm, but like still guys, let's get those fucking guns off the streets. What the hell? Um, 
Candy, speaking of Candy, she had this meeting with Mama Joyce. And <laughs> what is hilarious about that meeting is that Mama Joyce is already planning her daughter's death. She's like, <laughs> she is much like the Queen of England. Um, <laughs> she is going to outlive a lot of people. Okay. She's going to outlive a whole bunch of people that Mama Joyce. She's like the old king in the new Game of Thrones show, King Jaehaerys. He outlived all of his children. That's going to be Mama Joyce. Um, and then finally, yeah, the the cream of the crop of this episode, the She by Sheree stuff. And then Sheree keeps saying, like, the packages are missing and delayed. And once the website dropped, I was like, okay, like, what was missing? Like, you didn't pay for a two-day Amazon Prime? I'm so confused about what fashions needed to come. I mean, look, when the fashion show actually started, did I have an amazing time watching? Absolutely. It was so good. It was so entertaining. The fashion show looked like the best time ever. Like that seemed like such a good time. And even though she made people wait like two and a half hours, it was, it just looked like a really, really fun time. And as a Bravo fan, I just enjoyed watching all of the crowd. Like you had Lisa Nicole and Quad and Dr. Jackie, like there was so many people there. And I was just so happy to see all these people. There was like love and hip hop people there. There was married to medicine people there. There are people from all across all of these like different reality TV shows. So I was just really happy to see all of that. And it seemed like the most fun place to be. But if we're going to talk about the fashions themselves, I'm like, what what is this? Like what exactly did you put out? Because once the website dropped – $142 with an emoji for a t-shirt with an emoji on it. Have you lost your mind? Like, I think it's very indicative of Sheree and how highly she thinks of herself in some ways, but also the product she puts out is so shitty. Like, I just, it's such a, it's such a mishmash of what Sheree is about, right? Like, she acts like this, like, classy lady who's like, I don't have time for peasants. Like, she really has... Sheree has always brought this extremely rich energy to her in the way she talks, how she sort of like moves. Her general mannerisms, I think, come off very rich lady. That's why like I always loved scenes with Sheree and Phaedra because it was just like two snotty women who like just feel rich to me. But with Sheree, the gag is that there's not a lot of riches behind that like that sort of persona that she has. And that's kind of the tea, this this website that you drop where all the fashions are poorly modeled. The shirts are not even steamed. They're $142 for t-shirts. All the clothes can be bought on Shein or Amazon for like, I'm not even going to say a third of the price, like 10% of the price that she's selling it. You know what I mean? So I don't know what exactly Cherie's plan is, but she's a genius in the sense that there are people who love Bravo so much that they will spend that money on it just to be like, oh my God, isn't it crazy? I like spent $142 on a Sheree shirt. And all of us who are like older and like have sense are like, okay, that's a terrible investment, but good for you, I guess. Um, but like I said, the fashion show looked great. Um, oh, another person that showed, I just thought this is my note. Peter Thomas shows up flying high with his fly down. I mean, Speaking of Peter Thomas, we'll talk. I'll talk about the Potomac trailer right after this. So he's used so much Peter Thomas recently. Um, Tyrone showed up, and the funniest thing about Tyrone being there was Apollo somehow turning into a paralegal with the section four twenty part eight six seven five three zero nine, citing all kinds of laws and stipulations and conditions and parole. It was so crazy. Um, but like I said, the fashion show was late. Oh, also Dwight being there, that song that they kept dropping, fashion show with no fashions, fashion show with no fashions. How, how dreadful. Fa I need that song. Somebody put it on iTunes. Okay. I'll even, I'll, I'll use my Apple music. Uh, oh geez, my brain stopped working. Subscription. To listen to that on repeat because that was so good. And even at the end when they're doing like the fashion, like the walk down with the silly girls and they're like end of the season cards show up. 
um, all of the remixes of like, you know, Candy's walking down. She's like, bitch, I worldwide, like all of them. And then when Marlo walks, one of the things, one of the things they say by Marlo is, why don't you power wash your house? <laughs> because that is an iconic line uh, that Marlo said, I think before. I think in that uh, in Africa, the Africa fight where she just babbles at Sheree, that's one of the things she says, which is amazing. Um, but overall, I mean, um, one of the I think that there was like a lot of funny editing. There was this one moment when Fatoum showed up. Now, you guys know I loved crazy ass Fatoum. I thought she was hilarious, but she showed up and they make it look like Fatoum saying something to either Candy or somebody. And the editors edited on <laughs> Drew barking. You got to go back and watch it. I rewind. I was like, did she just bark at Candy? But I was like, she's not mic'd. There's no way that she would have barked at her. But the editors made it look like Fatoum showed up barking. Uh, I'm excited for the reunion. It looks good. It's going to be a good time. And um, as much as I love these ladies, I'm happy to see them go and happy to welcome in Potomac. The Potomac trailer dropped this season, this season, this this week, and it was wonderful. It just made me so happy. I was just so happy watching it. It was just, it made me so happy. I'm excited to see Candace and Ashley together. I am going to be tested. My fate, my faith in these women is going to be tested because I love Karen. I love Giselle. I love Candace. Okay. And they're all going to be sort of fighting with each other. And I'm just excited for it because one, um, I'm happy that like nobody has really, I'm happy that no one's evolved in the sense that these are women who are still being there, who they are. And they've been all through the, the seasons. I've never watched it and thought to myself, Ashley and Candace can't be friends. One of the things that drives me crazy about them is that I do believe Ashley and Candace can be friends. They can be very good friends, but they choose not to be because they're always fighting with each other. But I think that, that it's always been there. Like, of course, Ashley and Candace could be great friends. They were introduced as each other's friends. That's how Candace came onto the show. Um, and, and mind you, one of the reasons why Candace and Ashley were not friends is because Candace became very close to Monique and Ashley had been insinuating that Monique had miscarriages because she's an alcoholic, okay? So like now that that's kind of away, I'm excited to see Ashley and Candace together. I'm excited to see Karen get all riled up because of Sharice, okay? Sharice and Candace, that's a classic fight right there. Um, I don't care for Giselle coming for Chris. I don't care for Candace already going on the internet, calling Giselle's, calling out Giselle's neck rolls. Um, you know, I'm not here for body shaming, but did I laugh? Of course I did because I'm a monster. But these women, the reason why you can still laugh at the shit that they say about each other is because they're not that mad about it. Like they will say terrible things about each other and then they'll be laughing the next minute. So even if I think it's problematic, the shit that they say, it's super offensive and all that stuff. If they're not mad at each other, I'm not going to sit here and try to be mad about it either. Um, there was in the news that Robin and Juan finally got their marriage license. Now, in the state of Maryland, once you get your marriage license, you have to use it or it's or you lose it in 60 days, I think. So it's been about a month already. So I guess TikTok, TikTok Dixons. Um, Mia says something ridiculous about a frog's asshole. And I, it was so like, okay, Mia hasn't evolved at all. Okay. She hasn't changed one bit. Um, she is who she is. And there was barely any Wendy on this um, trailer, but I'm excited to see what happens when Wendy uh, gets a glass of uh, beverage thrown at her and then Peter Thomas showed up. So I'm just, I'm excited for them to be back. It made me happy. It was just a perfect trailer. Just a trailer alone was like more fun for me to watch than all of Beverly Hills. And I will get to Beverly but let's talk about Married to Medicine. Um, Married to Medicine was fun. Um, I said it was fun, but then the very first line of my notes is, Heavenly and Daddy talk about grief. Oof. Okay, so Married to Medicine, this uh, episode did open up with Heavenly and her husband talking about how she's managing her grief and how it's impacting her relationship with Contessa. Um, and I think that's very true. And I've the more I've been watching this season, the more I feel like 
I don't think Contessa was really that mad at Heavenly. And maybe this is a conspiracy theory on my part. I don't think I don't think Contessa was that mad. Mm-mm. Because I feel like the way she got over it was it was like she wasn't really that mad at Heavenly because it's like like we've mentioned before, nothing that she said was that egregious. Um, because everything that she said was stuff that Contessa herself has, has insinuated or alluded to or said herself on the show. Um, but I think the fact that Heavenly, she got over it so fast. And I think the purpose was not really to do anything except for try to call it the fact that Heavenly doesn't actually talk about her personal life. She only talks about everybody else's. And I think that's really what it was. So I don't think Contessa was really that mad at Heavenly. Um, we met Audra and Martin a little bit more. They're planning a wedding. Okay. And then a lot of the episode had, again, too much Mandela, in my opinion. But Anila and her mom have a couple of scenes together, and they're at the hair store. I will say Anila sharing her hair loss story is great because I'm South Asian, and most people think South Asian people have perfect, wonderful hair. And a lot of us do, but a lot of us don't. And I'm glad that Anila is talking about using hair. Um you know, I've learned a lot of things from black women throughout my life. And one of the things has been, um, if you don't like your hair, you could make it the way you want. Okay. And I, I have very thin hair. I've started to use extensions in my hair. Um, I also have uh, textured hair that I didn't know that I had. So I've been using a lot of the techniques that black women have been using for centuries um, of how to take care of textured hair. So I've been, I've learned a lot more about hair care from the black community that I have ever learned from my own community because my own community has um, people born with hair that is naturally accepted by white people. It's straight, thick hair. It's not hair that is difficult to manage. You could use over the counter. You could use head and shoulders for the rest of your life if you have that good South Asian hair, okay? You don't need to use anything else. And God knows I know so many people who do. They'd be using Pantene Pro-V for their whole life. They don't need a deep conditioner, nothing. So I know that my hair is atypical in my community, and I've learned how to work with hair that isn't um, – that isn't uh, commercial hair, I guess, um, because of following a lot of black creators and uh, black beauty accounts that work on that focus on hair. But anyway, Anila, um, I appreciate that she's talking about her hair loss journey. I appreciate she's talking about, you know, buying hair. I appreciate all that. But what I don't appreciate is that Anila's wigs in the confessionals are terrible. Girl, you can't be opening up a high end luxury hair store when your wigs are bad. Okay. Work on that. I think, um, Giselle on who asked me podcast, she said it herself. She said, just because you have black friends who wear wigs doesn't mean that you have to be wearing their wigs. Okay. I think she, I believe she said something like that. Um, but also with Anila, we had this scene at the end of the episode where she's fighting with her mom and her mom doesn't want to help and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And like, I again, I believe that Anila just brought her mom on to make it a storyline. Um, I have a feeling this is like me being major conspiracy theorist today. I don't even think Miss Gomez left. Miss Gomez moved into Toya's old house. <laughs> They're like, we'll pay for you to live there for a little while just while we're filming, okay? Um, but Anila's mom, like, I don't know. She's just, she's triggering. I don't like watching her. She's upsetting. It was like one of the scenes that my husband walked into and goes, this lady's Indian. And I was like, yeah, he goes, God, she's annoying. And I was like, yeah, she is. But I just, I don't know. I just, I don't care for it. Um, I don't think there's anything like fun or nice about Anila and her mom. Um, I don't find it to be a relatable story. I just, I, I say that, but I also know like so much of how the, I don't have that kind of relationship with my mother. FYI, I did have that kind of relationship with my father. He was super critical um, and all of that. So I think watching that felt a little bit triggering to those conversations. I would just never, ever talk about that on camera, you know? Um, Jackie met with Julie and Brandy from Dumb Gay Politics and The People's Couch. 
And one of the things I loved about that meeting was that um, Jackie said, no matter how you identify, if you have the parts, you should be going to your gyno for the checkup. And I love that. I hate Jackie, but I love that. I love that non-binary, not only women have vaginas, a lot of people have vaginas. And some of those people do not identify as women. So let's get with it. And I appreciate Jackie getting with it. Um, Now, I will say that this podcast coming on the show to get their pap smears, listen, if I had the opportunity to be on a nationally televised show to get a pap smear, just so that they would be like, Noor from the Reality is podcast is coming here. And I get a fab smear and be like, yeah, let's do it, honey. Then I would have to release two episodes a week. Or maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. But <laughs> I would do it too. Um, Karen hosted a boys night and there's like massages and burgers. And men talk about how they don't want Botox. And then they talk about the O shot. And <laughs> there's one scene where Eugene says, Karen, make sure your mother-in-law doesn't get the the O shot. Your father-in-law will break his <laughs> It took me out. Um, so Damon says the thing about how he got the slow-release testosterone shot and it really worked his libido like he was 13. And in the in the confessional, Heavenly's like, I mean, we do it all the time anyway. It's not like he needed it. And, I'm, and like, it's just so funny because Damon's like, oh, you don't have to do this. Like, Heavenly, we know you don't have sex every night. It's okay. It's okay. Just be real, girl. Just be real. Um, But the rest of the episode, we had Eugene having a midlife crisis, and he's going to Dr. Damon to talk to him about it. And it's funny because Eugene also early in the episode, like, kind of hates some millennials because – but at the same time, the lessons he's talking about he learned during COVID when it comes to himself, they're very much the things that millennials – It's like he's hating on millennials for having like poor work ethic, but at the same time, he recognizes that the way that he works was unsustainable and it's not healthy and it's just the wrong way of thinking about working. And so you're just mad that millennials figured it out before you. That's okay. Um, But he's going to Damon for like advice. And at the same time, Toya is in therapy because she feels like she just wants to feel like herself. And like, I don't know, obviously, I have no idea what it's like to be a doctor's wife during pandemic, but my husband does work in healthcare and he was never home. So as much, even though he didn't work with patients, he was in a hospital setting every single day. You know, in the start of COVID when everybody was like, oh my God, I have to be home with my spouse all the time. Never happened for me. My husband doesn't have a job that he can work from home. He always, always, always had to be at the hospital. And he had to take public transportation and all that stuff. And we had a couple of scares with COVID. But like, I only got maybe an ounce of what it's probably like for doctors and their wives and their partners to have to survive through COVID. And I know that I had a real hard time dealing with it. And um, I think one of the reasons I started the podcast, honestly, was because I needed some other way to cope with my feelings and do something else because sitting at home alone um, or with my kids or whatever, was making me crazy. Um, it was making me feel like I was out of control. It was making me very sad about the reality of our life. And so I think I understand where Toya is coming from in that in in both of their their worlds. And considering these two scenes, it suddenly makes sense why Eugene and Toya got so upset about the Halloween costume because obviously, obviously them having to sell that house was not a happy decision. I don't think that they sold that house because they were thinking that they're going to get something better. They sold the house because they needed the money, the profit from that house to pay some stuff off. I think that's really what it was. And I think that that is probably something that neither of them are talking about. Um, And I think that Eugene also got tired of working so hard to sustain a lifestyle that was unsustainable. Um, So I feel like maybe they both need to have a conversation about that. But it's um, it, it did kind of give me a little bit more insight into Eugene and Toya and what's going on with them. Um, now, unfortunately, I do have to spend some time talking about the shows that were on on Wednesday and I'm going to save Beverly Hills for last. So let's just go ahead and talk about Real Housewives of Dubai. 
So the rehearsals of the bite, this is the reunion, the final episode of the entire season. It was the second part of the reunion. And let me tell you something. We should only have two parts of a reunion. Okay. We do not need more. We do not need more. Um, the fight opened up on Stanberry versus Lisa because Stanberry had that stupid ass binder. It was so corny. It's so silly because the, the whole thing that is so frustrating with Caroline Stanberry, right, is that she doesn't remember the shit she says. And then when she remembers the shit she says, she excuses it for like, oh, I'm funny. It's funny. It's a joke. Ha ha. I'm just uh, whatever. But anytime anybody says something else to her, they're going below the belt. And her anger against Lisa, it didn't make any sense. It still doesn't make any sense why Stanberry is so obsessed with Lisa Milan and why she's so angry. Um, but the favorite part of this episode for me was just all the focus on Chanel Ann. I think she's amazing um, when she talks about her her um, childhood trauma journey, about um, female circumcision. She even talks about the types of female circumcision. You know, she's amazing for bringing so much awareness. And she's just like, a, she's a 10 out of 10 star, guys. One of the things she says, she's like, you have to find humor. Um, but that doesn't mean that I forget my pain. And I just like that's such a realistic way of looking at it. She's not she's not milking her story for people to feel bad for her. She's not telling that story so that she can use it as an excuse. That's what Sarah Almadani said to like some blog that um Caroline that uh Chanel Ayan is Ayan is victimizing herself and using it as, as an excuse to treat people poorly. I don't think Ayan has treated anybody poorly. I think the only person who has treated anybody poorly has been Caroline Stanberry and Brooks. They've treated people more poorly than Ayan. Ayan has felt un- misunderstood and misheard, and certainly she has miscalculated the way that she should respond in certain situations, but nobody has been more egregious than Caroline Stanberry. Um there was this whole thing about did Ayan and Lisa try to take Stanberry down and they kind of clarified it and it totally makes sense. Like, yeah, I get it that the show was supposed to be originally, we've all talked about it, it was supposed to be Stanberry's show. It was supposed to be about her life and her her life in Dubai and that was a big buy-in. But Lisa and Ayan were right to say, let's show them that there's more to, the, to us girls than just being Caroline Stanberry's friend. I don't think that's called taking Stanberry down. I think that means that we're just going to show them we're actually a lot more interesting than that one white lady. And that's one of the things we discovered. All Caroline had going for herself was her dopey husband who doesn't understand what a vagina is and a bunch of home goods mugs. Not that exciting. And her corny wedding. Um, Andy asked Sarah if she was engaged to Michelle Marone and she straight up denies it. But if you just do a Google... It was confirmed on the internet a while ago. So the fact that she's like, oh, he was my business partner. Mm, no. Mm-mm. No, ma'am. Sorry, I had to drink water. Um, and then we talk a little bit about Ayan and Stanberry's beef. And again, Stanberry doesn't explain at all why she came in so hot against Ayan. She came in annoyed that she had to film with these women. She came in and she said, I can't stand this woman. She initially got mad at Ayan for calling her Stanberry and getting so angry. And then when they bring up this thing about like the dick sucking conversation, no one except for Ayan and Lisa chastised Caroline about what she said. It's ridiculous. Like they try to compare Caroline Sink to Sergio. I hope she sucks your dick tonight with they try to compare that with rich saying to his wife alone she's a 50 year old influencer caroline you are a 50 year old influencer ayan said it too you're a 50 year old influencer and like and then it goes to like um ayan wearing a white dress and stanberry's uh engagement party and ayan is defending when ayan i have to make a note of this when Ayan is defending herself and saying how could i look like a bride i am a perfect black woman how could i look like you Stanberry says, I look good too. You don't have to bash other women. And that to me said it all. All Ayan said is, I am a perfect black woman. So a black woman saying, I am beautiful. I could never look like you. I'm a black woman. I could never look like you. Stanberry takes that as, you don't have to bash me. I look good for my age too. And then later, when the conversation starts about what happened on the trip and how um, that wonderful conversation that Brooks 
Ayan and Lisa had about black women having to be strong while white women get consoled for tears, when that conversation starts and Brooke starts to explain herself, Caroline interjects and says, well, I went to boarding school and no one saved me. So between those two instances, it became very clear to me that Caroline Stanberry is a typical English, rich, privileged white woman. She she would fit amazingly on Beverly Hills, I'll tell you that much. But it became very obvious that she really looks at Lisa and Ayan, and I'm not saying that she's like, actively racist but I believe that she thinks that everything that she's been through is a reasonable reason a reasonable reason is reason enough to be the way she is but anytime the other women respond to her she feels attacked oh she kept saying to Lisa stop attacking me and Lisa had to say you have got to stop saying I attacked you I didn't attack you Caroline also never apologizes for anything she did off the season during she anything she did throughout the season right off the bat she was mean to Ayan she said Ayan didn't say thank you for the trip when we have editors roll the tape on her multiple times she said thank you she's Ayan dressed in a veil and like a bride Ayan says that I didn't like she never apologized for any of the things she says and then at this whole the whole time she's the only one saying that she was attacked and it's so random. And like it goes back to Lisa versus Caroline. But even Lisa says, I don't know why Caroline is mad at me. Like I have no idea what the issue is. And Caroline says, oh, it's because you attacked me. I got to figure out what happened here. All that happened is I think what happened. Here's my theory. The show is obviously going to be filmed for Caroline Stanberry. She was the big buy-in on the Bravo side because she's a former Ladies of London star. And if you go on Twitter, you'll see that that's really what Caroline is most annoyed with that everybody's not giving her props where her props are due in her mind because she feels like they should be kissing her butt for being the reason why the show even happened. But I think originally Bravo was going to do the Caroline Stanberry show instead. And then they found you those, these other women too. So it was Lisa and Nina where I think the original two Nina brought in Sarah and then Lisa brought in Ayan and Ayan brought in Brooks. Now, I believe that what happened is that Ayan and Lisa probably started saying, we're really interesting. I don't even think we really need Caroline Stanberry around. But Caroline Stanberry is also actively trying not to film with certain people in the group. She doesn't like Ayan, which she doesn't explain why. And then one of the reasons why Lisa doesn't like Caroline Stanberry is because of all the shit that Nina had been telling her over the years. But of course, as soon as the cameras start rolling, Nina is becoming besties with Stanberry. She's not just hanging out with her, guys. She's becoming besties with her. And that is confusing and that is phony. And it's okay for Lisa to say, I don't understand because it's phony and fake. Um, now, one thing they didn't address, and I mentioned this last week, is when Sarah, when Ayan brought up, you told Sarah, Sarah, when Ayan brought up, Sarah had called the cops and was going to press charges against me. Andy says, I, let's drop that. And I thought he was going to come back to it, but he never did, which again indicates to me that Sarah Almadani is being treated with kid gloves because we all know what Emirathis in the Emirates are actually capable of. But on the internet, people were like, Sarah Almadani is a fucking Karen. And she responded to it by saying, I wasn't going to, I didn't say I was going to call the cops on her. I was going to tell her, you can't come in. All I said was, you can't come into my country and talk about me. And I can press charges against you for saying terrible things about me. Now, what does she mean by that? She says, my country is because she's an Emirati citizen. And Emirati citizens have more privilege and more access and more control in the country than anybody else. Two, we know how the Emirates treats migrants. So here she is saying, I'm not, I wasn't going to call the cops on you. I was just going to use all the power I have in my hand for you coming into my country and talking poorly about me. That's the most Karen ass shit I've ever heard in my life. So fuck Sarah Almadani. Um, the reunion ended with this weird white elephant where, <laughs> where Stanberry got Lisa a dirty sock and the Arab women got everybody real gifts like 
Sarah gifted Brooks a trip to the Maldives and um, what's her face? Nina gave Sarah a podcasting equipment. Like She's like, it has those boxes, everything that you need to get started for your podcast. What do you need? You need a mic <laughs> and an anchor.fm account. Hello, I'm sponsored. For real, it's really easy to start a podcast with an anchor. What did that box have in there? But it's just, <laughs> it cracked me up. Um, and that was it. That was the Dubai reunion. Now, unfortunately, I do have to talk about Beverly Hills. And my very first line of my notes says, deep sigh, I am annoyed with the show. <sighs> this episode in Aspen, first of all, it's so long. It was such a long episode. There was like so much snow filler footage. Like, I don't care that Dorit can't ski. I don't, why is Mauricio here? And guys, this is the 17th episode of the season. 17 episodes. 17 episodes. Why? You know why these episodes are so long? Because they spend a ton of time doing like pan over shots of the, of the different cities. They do a lot of cross cutting of women getting ready. They spend at least six minutes every episode of them just entering and leaving a room and then also of them ordering drinks. But the actual meat of the episode is never more than about 12 minutes. That's it. But the rest of it is just filler footage, and I hate it, okay? I heard that the editors in Beverly Hills are changing, so I really hope that they, like, shrink some of it down because we do not need 17 episodes. We haven't even gotten to the stuff in Aspen yet. They're filming the reunion today. That means that we have at least, what, six more weeks of this show before we get to the reunion? Good God. I've been watching this show for my whole life. How long has this season been on? But the the issue with this episode is, it's basically this, is that, oh, geez, I bumped into my, my mic, sorry. Erica and the rest of this cast is just, like, getting raging Erica and the Fox Four flop, Force Flop, whatever they are, and Diana, they're getting mad at everyone else about every single thing, but they're not getting mad at Erica for calling Erica, the for Erica doing the things that she does. She doesn't have empathy or sympathy or anything. It doesn't matter that she calls Sutton a cunt. It doesn't matter that Diana says terrible things. None of those things matter. And and even later on when like Rinna and Erica and Kyle are talking about the shit that Diana said... They're always like, oh, it's coming from a place of rage and sadness. It's coming from hurt. So they understand why there's always an excuse for why everybody behaves poorly, but they never have, they never understand why Garcelle does anything or why Sutton does anything. And it's funny because I believe that in their minds, they think that Garcelle and Sutton and all that are creating a narrative, right? Like they're, they're like, oh, they're trying to paint us in a negative view. But it's like, it's like Garcelle said to Erica, like, I don't have to do anything. You make yourself look bad. You're, these are your own actions. But I think by the end of the episode, Kyle and Doree and everybody is getting super upset because not because Erica is saying something they don't know. I 100% believe that Erica, all the things she said, terrible things she said at the end of the episode, I don't think that it's the first time she has said those things. I imagine that Erica has gotten drunk a many a times and told them all these things many, 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 many times. And all those times they're like, yeah, Erica, we get it, girl. Yeah, legal system, da, 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 da. They get it, but they are so obsessed especially Kyle, especially Kyle, obsessed with how they look, the optics of it all, right? Like they're so obsessed with like defending bad behavior or like not having to defend bad behavior that they are getting upset. They're getting upset because they're like, oh no, you're seeing this stuff on camera and we can't come back from it. And Kyle getting so worked up and telling her like, I can't defend this. I can't defend this. One thought about that. Kyle getting that upset at the end of I can't I can't defend this is one because she cares a lot about how she looks as Erica's friend, but also because Kathy was like, Kyle, knock it off. Stop cursing. 
Uh, Kathy can't stand Kyle. And Kyle really thinks that she's like doing something to Kathy by being like, oh, she's so gross. She came in her slippers and her stupid bag and blah, blah, blah. And all this stuff. It's like, Kathy doesn't need to do any of those things because Kathy is Kathy. You need to do those things because you're putting up a front about the kind of person you are on TV. But Kathy doesn't care about those things because it doesn't matter what Kathy looks like on TV. I think Kathy is still going to be Kathy. Like she's still Kathy Hilton. She's still Paris and Nikki Hilton's mom. Speaking of Paris Hilton, she's on Twitter right now liking all these posts that are tweets that are very much like, why is Kyle being so terrible to Kathy? Oh, it's so good. Um, But yeah, I mean, like there is, um, by the way, a great post from the Bravo docket right now on their Instagram, kind of breaking down all this stuff that about this, these earrings, right? And one of the things that I think is really interesting that came out this week is this stuff about Diana. So Diana said on the episode, if you cared so much, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? But the issue is that why should Garcelle and Crystal be paying money to the victims when, in Erica's words, the legal process is that you should be giving back the money that you made off the backs of these people, right? So Diana opening up a charity this week doesn't make sense for a multitude of reasons. Number one, the Lionaire victims have already been paid. What Erica is now getting um, sued for is all of the rest of the money, other money that was stolen. So one of the things I believe that the Edelsons did is, or the Edelson, I don't know, lawyer, is he the name of the lawyer? Honestly, I got to go back and listen to Bravo Docket, but, and you should listen to them if you really want it. But Edelson made a deal with the Lionair families that they would get the money through an insurance company, I believe. So the people, they have been paid. So Diana creating a, did I call her Daniela before? I may have, because I confused her foundation, which is called Sanella Foundation, because that's her real name. Anyway, Diana creating a foundation where she put $100,000 of her own money (laughs) that you can also donate to if you really care about victims. And then she will make sure that that money gets sent to victims in Indonesia. Okay, that's a lie. But what money is she raising and for who? Because it's not just the Lionair victims that were owed money. It's a lot of other victims, a lot of other clients of Tom Girardi's, of Girardi Keats that were not paid. So it's not just the Lionair orphans and widows. It's a lot of other people too that are waiting on their settlement checks that they never got. So she needs, Diana needs to explain what the hell that was. But, and that's also why I know that this is a crock of shit, whatever Diana's doing. But that's the one thing. The other thing is these earrings. So the the simple way of saying is Tom made a bunch of money Um, The trustees had, there was a bunch of money that Tom was supposed to give to the settlement, uh, people who won the settlement. Instead, he used the settlement money and paid for Erica's lavish, extravagant, expensive lifestyle. It's expensive to be me because me was being paid by the money that don't belong to me. Okay. But I get Erica's point that she's not the one that was involved. She never worked for Girardi Keys, which is a lie because I believe that there are some documents, but She says, I wasn't involved. I didn't sign anything. I didn't work for these people, whatever, whatever, whatever. But there's a lot of people who are owed a lot of money because of Tom Girardi mismanaging funds. There are victims who are owed money. Who these victims are and who those people are, it's probably a range. It's probably some people who are actually victims of different cases, people who are waiting on their settlement money. And then there's employees and then there's creditors and there's loans and there's all these people who are owed money. And the point is that Erica, like the mistress, Tom's mistress did the right thing where she gave up all of the gifts that she had ever received from Tom Girardi to say, I don't need this. If this can be used for something, blah, blah, blah. Erica was told by the courts that she needed to give up those $750,000 earrings. She went back and appealed and said, I don't want to. Now, is Erica in her right to say that she doesn't, that she can appeal it? Yeah. So the Bravo docket post is great because they're saying it's not necessarily illegal of her to go and appeal that. 
it's wrong. It's immoral. It's not nice. It's not empathetic. It's not sympathetic. It's proving all the things that she says this episode that the only person she cares about herself is me. It, though all those things are true, but it's not. It's not wrong for her to try to appeal it because that's an option that's legally available. Now, this is not the only case that she has also, right? We know that there's tons of other cases. But the issue is that for people like Kyle, who only care about optics, for her to still stick around and be friends with this person who so cares so little about the optics of it all is a real mindfuck. And this episode was frustrating in in that it was too long to get to the meat of the episode, but it was interesting to see Kyle unravel because I hope, I hope that Kyle starts to take this as this can't be like, this can't be the way we keep doing this show. I cannot keep aligning with Erica in order for me to keep doing this show. Now, next episode, there's going to be a fight over Kendall Jenner's tequila versus Kathy's tequila. Like they're so mean to Kathy about her tequila but like we've had to sit through how much shilling God knows every single season. Um, I'm pretty sure we're in Aspen because that big fancy Aspen house that the ladies are renting, I think that's an agency house. So like we've, it's not a big deal. Like Kathy talk about her tequila. Now that all this stuff that's happening where apparently Kathy is going to um, uh, say something egregious. I think, I think all Kathy will do is say something really terrible about Kyle. And then she told Rena not to say anything. And I think Rena goes and tells Kyle. I think that's all that happened. But it, in either case, like they did all these things because they wanted to shift the focus from Erica. The way that the women carry Erica out of the room shows to me that this is not the first time Erica has said those things. Their reactions tell me that this is not the first time Erica has said those things. Their reactions tell me this is the first that they're worried about Erica saying these things on camera. That's really all it is. Um, well, that's it for this episode. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I will be back next Saturday to talk about all the other things that happen on